from the studios of Postscript Media and Canary Media. At the start of May, we got a historic piece of news. The headline at Politico.com right now, just breaking in the last few minutes, is this. United States Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights. Draft opinion shows. According to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito, circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. A leaked document showed the Supreme Court could overturn the constitutional right to an abortion that's been in place since 1973. And if that happens this summer, 26 states are certain or likely to ban access. More than two dozen states, there are what are called trigger laws, which would immediately uh, render abortion a crime, render it illegal, immediately upon the Supreme Court issuing such a ruling. Now we're a climate show, but we're a climate show that explores the connection between the environment and everything around us. And there's a really important link between a hotter planet, pollution, and abortion access. And our producer, Alexandria Herr, immediately started thinking about that connection. What was the link you were exploring? So as soon as I learned about the news, I started thinking about this field of research that I learned about a few years ago. Basically, it connects the dots between exposure to increased heat waves, pollution, and adverse birth outcomes. And basically by adverse birth outcomes, if you haven't heard that term before, it means preterm birth, which is the leading cause of infant mortality, and also stillbirth, which is miscarriage after 20 weeks. And I started to think about those connections between adverse birth outcomes that are being made worse by pollution from fossil fuels and climate change and a political landscape that's getting increasingly hostile to reproductive autonomy. So what did you find? Well, it turns out there's this strong and growing body of evidence that pollution and heat makes dangerous birth outcomes a lot more likely, particularly for pregnant people of color. And that same group is most likely to be impacted if abortion is criminalized. This is The Carbon Copy. I'm Stephen Lacey. And I'm Alexandria Hurd. This week, we're talking about how reproductive rights connect back to climate change and pollution. And how restricted abortion access in a post-Roe America will elevate those risks. The entire solar industry rests, both literally and figuratively, on a vulnerable material. That material is aluminum. It is one of the most carbon-intensive metals, with the bulk of its supply originating in China. But what if module frames made from domestic recycled steel replaced it? On May 30th, Latitude Media and Origami Solar will host a frontier forum that explores what would happen if the U.S. solar industry shifted from aluminum to recycled steel. We'll explore the impact on supply chains, costs, technical performance, and carbon emissions. This is a must-attend for anyone who cares about the domestic solar industry. Register for free by clicking the link in the show notes or go to latitudemedia.com slash events. So Alexandria, when the news hit, I got a text from you and you said, I really want to write this article. Can I do it? I said, of course. What did you start writing about? Well, I was interested in a couple of things, and one of those things was the overlap between places where abortion will be banned and places where pollution and heat islands are making pregnancies riskier from a health perspective. But I was also interested in how this will make pregnancies riskier from a legal perspective. And the thing is, reproductive justice advocates have been raising the alarm about this for a long time. But ever since the Roe v. Wade decision, there have been over 1,700 documented arrests and prosecutions related to pregnancy outcomes, and that includes stillbirth. So basically, pregnant people have been criminalized for their birth outcomes for a really long time already, and that might only get worse if the Roe v. Wade decision is overturned. 
Yeah, I read your piece and that stood out to me because when we talk about criminalization, I think about what could happen after Roe v. Wade is fully overturned, but this has been going on for a long time. So that really alarmed me. When you say it will get worse, what does that actually look like? Yeah, so basically laws passed recently in Texas and Oklahoma actually offer $10,000 rewards to people who can successfully sue anyone who, quote, aids or abets an abortion. And that definition is super broad. It could mean anything as simple as just donating to an abortion fund. Another bill under consideration in Louisiana would actually make abortion after the, quote, moment of fertilization a homicide. The thing is, there's no medical way to tell the difference between a self-managed abortion or stillbirth or miscarriage. And the criminalization of self-managed abortion and other adverse birth outcomes are going to hit places already overburdened by climate change and pollution hardest and first. And as I was writing about this, so was Eve Andrews, who's a staff writer at Grist. We wanted to do a story specifically about how communities that are dealing with severe pollution and communities that are predominantly people of color, that are predominantly low income, um, how they are uniquely affected by limited or banned access to abortion. Even her colleague, Navina decided to look into this exact topic. The place that they started? Baytown, Texas. Baytown, it's in Harris County, which uh, which is the county that includes Houston, and it's a big petrochemical hub. So it has an Exxon refinery. It also has a, a super fun site very nearby, and there are a number of chemicals emitted by both the refinery and the Superfund site uh, that have been shown to have negative reproductive outcomes. These chemicals include benzene, toluene, xylene, and they're bad for your health, especially for the health of pregnant people. So the sort of pollution that is predominant there contributes to, uh, to high blood pressure, which is a very dangerous, that's a very dangerous condition for pregnant people and can be life-threatening. It can also contribute to early births and low birth weight babies. The results in Baytown are staggering. Maternal morbidity, which is basically a term that means any unexpected outcome during birth that might lead to long-term health effects on the birthing parent, well, that rate is twice as high in Baytown than it is on average across the state. That means giving birth is just more dangerous there. And that's the important part. A lack of autonomy over the decision about whether or not to give birth, it can literally be life-threatening. And in Baytown, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, the options for getting an abortion will be slim. Texas is a state where as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion will be banned. And it's not just in Texas. It will be banned in states all around Texas. So if you live in Baytown and you're trying to get an abortion after Roe v. Wade is overturned, your closest options are Kansas, which has four active abortion clinics in the whole state, New Mexico, which has seven, Illinois, which has 40, or North Carolina, which has 26. And each of these are at least a 12-hour drive and would incur, a, a trip to each of those would incur probably thousands of dollars in travel costs, lodging costs, lost wages. And in addition to that, you have to remember that there are millions of women 
in the other 26 states in which abortion would be banned or essentially banned uh, in the event of Roe v. Wade being overturned, who are also traveling to those states to try and get abortions as well. So those clinics themselves are entirely overwhelmed. I've got two maps here in front of me. I pulled up one showing states with the highest air pollution. And the states that are lit up in bright red are Texas, big swaths of the Southeast, and the Midwest and Central California. And there are these pockets that are deep, deep red. And if I compare it with this map showing where these trigger laws exist and where states are likely to ban abortion after Roe v. Wade is overturned, there is a strong overlap. It's really striking. Yeah, that's exactly right. A lot of these states are home to huge petrochemical refining corridors and coal plants. So this link between pollution, climate change, and reproductive health, it's really important for understanding how places like Baytown are particularly at risk if Roe v. Wade is overturned. We are going to take a very quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to explore the very explicit scientific link between maternal health, air pollution, and climate change. Stay with us. Mark your calendars for May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's when Latitude Media and Origami Solar will unveil new research on how recycled steel can help reinvigorate the U.S. solar industry. Why recycled steel? Well, the solar industry is dependent on imported aluminum for frames, leaving it vulnerable to geopolitics, supply disruptions, and higher-cost transportation. By switching from aluminum to recycled steel, solar producers can reduce greenhouse gas emissions and qualify for IRA domestic content incentives. Have questions about the shift to steel and the impact on supply chains? Join Latitude Media's Stephen Lacey, Origami Solar CEO Greg Patterson, and American Clean Power's MJ Shao for this live virtual event. Again, it's May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Register for free at latitudemedia.com events or click the link in the show notes. When you were telling me about your story, and then I read it, and then I read Eve's story, I got really curious about the science behind this link that you're both talking about. And I wanted to know how the science has emerged over the last few years, because it's only been in the last few years that we've really started to understand the scope of the problem. So you and I called up someone who could explain it to us. There was so much skepticism when I started that first study that people actually told me, you're not going to find anything. Good luck with that. You know, and I was like, well, it's worth looking into because it really hasn't been studied. We talked to Dr. Rupa Basu. She's an environmental epidemiologist. She's currently the chief of the air and climate epidemiology section at the California Environmental Protection Agency. And she was one of the first scientists to start looking into this link between climate change and birth outcomes. Um, in the last few years, in the last decade, there's really been a lot more research on pregnant women. I feel like other vulnerable populations were studied much earlier on, um, such as the elderly. And for a while, we really thought this was, um, these heat-related deaths and illnesses were really just impacting mostly the elderly. And it wasn't until very recently that we also included pregnant women. Dr. Basu got the idea for studying the link between pregnancy and heat after her own experience. And the way that I came up with this question is really, I um, had already studied temperature and mortality for my dissertation project. And I remember during my own pregnancies feeling like I couldn't control my body temperature. And so until there's 
a researcher or somebody who might find the same um, issues. I mean, we get so many ideas from our personal lives, really. That pregnancy actually led Dr. Basu in 2010 to start looking into the link between heat exposure and preterm birth. And that's why I called her up, because I wanted to understand what were the surprises that she found in that first major analysis? Yes, actually, I knew, like I said, that there was an association um, for the uh, elderly with temperature and mortality and also morbidity, um, meaning hospitalizations and emergency room visits. But for pregnant women, the associations were actually even greater than what we saw for the elderly. And that was kind of shocking to me. I don't think I was expecting that. In fact, there was so much skepticism when I started that first study that people actually told me, you're not going to find anything. Good luck with that. You know, and I was like, well, it's worth looking into because it really hasn't been studied. In 2020, you published uh, a paper that studied the links between exposure to ozone, heat, and fine particulate matter and adverse birth outcomes uh, like preterm birth, low birth weight, stillbirth. What did you find in that analysis? Well, the most important finding in that analysis is that there was consistent results throughout the United States. We really started this research in California in 2010 when our study on temperature and preterm delivery was published. And since then, we've seen so much consistency throughout other parts of the U.S. in terms of not just associations with fine particulate matter, ozone, and heat exposure, and the adverse birth outcomes, but also the vulnerable subgroups that are most impacted. And I think, again, that's the most important thing to look at the vulnerable subgroups to really identify the highest risk groups. And you know, while we consider all pregnant women to be at highest risk or high risk group, um, really we have to also consider that there are um, certain women such as by race, ethnicity, black women or um, asthmatic um, mothers or pregnant people who are at even higher risk. And, and how much higher risk are those subgroups facing? If we consider people with asthma or black mothers, I mean, what are we looking at in terms of risk escalation? Yeah, that's um, to quantify that. If you look at all pregnant women, for example, for temperature and preterm delivery, for each outcome and each exposure, it's a little bit different, but I'm just going to use that as an example. Overall, we see about you know six, seven, or eight percent increase depending on the the study, and then for black mothers, we saw that increase to be about fifteen percent. So at least twice as high, maybe even three times as high. And why is that? There's so many different factors, but I'll just discuss a few of them. The reason that we see this disparity among black um, people who have uh, delivered uh, prematurely or um, stillbirth or term uh, low birth weight um, is because of environmental racism. We really see uh, higher levels of these exposures that we've studied among black and brown communities in general. Um, The houses are closer to freeways. They're closer to fossil fuel combustion areas. um, And there's also less health education. There's less ability to mitigate. For example, uh, when there's high levels of heat exposure or even wildfire smoke exposure, there's no uh, ability often to relocate or to somehow reduce exposures. And I think, you know, I didn't get into the urban heat island effect, which just means that there's more absorption in these urban areas. There's less green space. There's more blacktops, more cement, 
And so that means that the heat uh, that is experienced in those areas is not only absorbed, but also retained over a longer period of time. Is there anything that we can say about lack of access to abortion in communities of color and paired with this data on how women of color are disproportionately impacted by air pollution? Yes, it goes back to the same issues, um, whether it's COVID or mental health or any kind of healthcare issue, it's going to be the same problems in that we see that the people who are most impacted are those who have lower socioeconomic status or even those who are minority populations. Um, What I mean by that is if there's some kind of restrictive policy who will be most impacted? Well, we already know that it's going to be likely the people who can't afford to um, go access healthcare elsewhere or who aren't given the same rights um, as others to access and have the same treatment that they completely deserve. So your study found that exposure to PM2.5 and ozone was associated with elevated risk of preterm birth and low birth weight. Can you talk about what PM2.5 and ozone actually are? Sure. So for uh, PM2.5, that's also known as fine particulate matter. Fine particulate matter means that there's uh, particles less than 2.5 micrometers in aerodynamic dynamic diameter. So that means very small particles. Even if you look at like a strand of hair, it's way smaller than that. So not particles that we can see. But the reason that we started, the US EPA started monitoring PM2.5 throughout the United States, including California, is because there's known to be um, now uh, health impacts from PM2.5 that are much greater than what we saw with PM2.5, PM10, excuse me. So uh, what happens is that PM2.5 can penetrate deep into the lungs and actually affect the alveolar uh, sacs um, in the lung and deposit there and stay there for a while. When it stays there, of course, that means it could get into the blood flow. Then it could get into the fetal uh, blood flow. And we know that there's evidence to show that PM2.5 actually not only goes deep into the lungs, but also into the placenta itself. So that's more of a direct pathway. So it's really um, such fine particles that it goes into all different um, areas of the body and can actually do some pretty serious uh, damage in terms of health impacts. Um, Ozone is a secondary pollutant. So it usually um, requires some heat. It would actually increase ozone production. So if there's heat and ozone, we see that there's um, a pretty uh, high level of uh, health impacts, including adverse birth outcomes. They really work. Uh, very closely together, but some of the sources uh, for both are uh, fossil fuel production um, and um, traffic, vehicles, uh, even ports, and uh, all of the uh, diesel uh, combustion that uh, happens near the ports. So there's so many sources that are um, human or man-made, and I think that some of these could be reduced. And this focus on PM2.5 has shown that we could save tens of thousands of lives in the U.S. a year if we slash PM2.5 pollution. And it's one of the reasons why climate change aside, even if you start to 
cut emissions from burning fossil fuels, you can have extraordinarily positive health outcomes. That, that is correct. And especially, let's always keep in mind that when we're reducing pollution, we're reducing pollution generally, but also mostly for the vulnerable populations is what's most important, right? Because we talk about pregnant women and the disparities among pregnant women, but if we're going to reduce the exposure in black and brown communities, that would add an extra layer of protection by protecting the most vulnerable populations who are already under a great deal of chronic stressors um, in life and um, that impact uh, birth outcomes and then actually start from the birth outcomes and lead all the way through uh, childhood, adulthood, and that disparity continues. It only starts um, during a pregnancy. Most of the heat-related deaths, illnesses, adverse birth outcomes related to heat or air pollution are preventable. That is why we're doing these studies. It's not that we can't do anything about this. Oh, forget it. You know, there's, it's, you know, there is actually a lot that we can do about this. And that's why it's really important to get this message out there. Um, and that's why I agreed to do this interview. Dr. Rupa Basu is chief of the Air and Climate Epidemiology Section at the California Office on Environmental Health Hazards Assessment. Did I get that one right? Yeah, that's right. It's a tongue twister. And we heard from Eve Andrews, who's a staff writer at Grist earlier in the episode. And of course, Alexandria Herr is our producer who joined us again this week. Alexandria, thanks. Thanks, Stephen. The Carbon Copy is a co-production of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Anne Bailey is our senior editor. Sean Marquand mixed the episode and composed our theme. Original music came from Echo Finch and Blue Dot Sessions. Postscript Media is supported by Prelude Ventures, a venture capital firm that partners with entrepreneurs to address climate change across a range of sectors, including advanced energy, food and agriculture, transportation and logistics, advanced materials and manufacturing, and advanced computing. Give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Send us your thoughts on social media. And uh, send this show to a friend or colleague if you think they'll like it. I'm Stephen Lacey. This is The Carbon Copy. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>